African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Thank you for joining us here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm Benjamin Moshatama. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, why is Benjamin on air? Well, today we are doing a special broadcast on the 50 years of independence, which is today celebrated by Zambia. We'll be looking at uh, this particular day, its importance, and also looking at the politics of this country. South African Afro Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, celebrating 20 years of South African freedom and democracy. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, this hour we're doing a special broadcast on the Independence Day of uh, Zambia and uh, interesting times for the country itself. But uh, before we speak to our guests who are already on the line, let's uh, look at this piece. Uh, Zambia is set to celebrate its golden anniversary. The Southern African country gained independence from former colonial power Great Britain on October 24, 1960. That must have been a good day for the continent. Officials say several heads of state and government have confirmed their participation in the celebrations. Vice President Guy Scott said that with its peace and political stability and economic performance over the years, Zambia has been the best kept secret for both local and foreign investors. There's been a whole cluster of these 50th anniversaries in the region, of course, because Kenya, Tanzania, Malawi and so forth, all got their independence roughly at the same time, in the 1960s, uh, and in West Africa, several countries. Um, it's different from the countries to the south of us, who we helped liberate. Uh, Zimbabwe, I think, is only 34 years old now. South Africa is only about 21 years old now. So we're the southernmost country, I guess. No, not even that. Botswana is uh, 50 years plus. So um, it's it's uh, part of a general sort of mood of celebration, I guess. You could you could say over much of Africa, um, that, but this is 50, 50 years of uh, since the uh, protectorates became independent. Most colonies became independent. Mr. Vice President, how ready are the people to celebrate this 50 years of independence? Well, I think uh, I'm on my way now to the uh, well, to, to a dinner and then to the stadium. 
where I imagine there'll be a problem of overcrowding. People are very ready to celebrate. People, people like to be proud of themselves. People like to be something to make them proud of themselves. And surviving 50 years of, of quite a lot of instability in this region, without suffering much instability ourselves, and making tremendous progress in, 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 in social, uh, social equality, and in uh, you know, production, economic growth, and uh, so forth. It hasn't been an easy ride all the way. But I think most people are aware that uh, Zambia has gone forward and is still going forward. Mr. Vice President, one issue is that the head of state will not be able to participate in this. How are you moving along with this celebration with him not being there? Well, we're moving along. It's very sad. You certainly missed the big best-loved politician in Zambia. And uh, it's a shame that he should be somewhere else when we're we're celebrating. Uh, As we must, he wouldn't want us to to do anything else. And but I mean, between uh, acting presidents, vice presidents, former presidents, and and so forth, we we can put on a pretty cool ceremony. Well, that is the Zambian Vice President Guy Scott speaking to international journalist Peter Cloti there. Yes, this is our special broadcast. We're putting Zambia in the spotlight today. They're celebrating their 25th independence celebrations. And we have some guests on the line and experts to give us an outline of Zambia and what this day actually symbolizes for the country, not only for the country itself, but for the rest of the continent as well. On the line, we have Charles Milupi, who is the president of the opposition for alliance for democracy and uh, development as well as uh, professor sitwala imenda who is uh, currently the executive dean of education and he's with the university of uh, zululand he hails from uh, zambia and also we have uh, mcdonald chipenzi who is uh, an executive director of the foundation for democratic process based in zambia so hey let's start this conversation in terms of, of looking at this uh, particular day today. Now, Charles, how's the atmosphere in Zambia? How significant is this Independence Day for the country? Well, thank you very much. Um, the atmosphere is calm. Uh, whenever there is a, a holiday, whenever there is a chance to uh, celebrate, uh, you find that many people are all too willing uh, to go out on the streets stay away from work and uh, move about in um, brightly colored clothes and so on. But I think we must, in analyzing exactly what the day means to us, I think uh, we need to go deeper than that. We need to go deeper than uh, celebrating, just for the sake of celebrating. Uh, My own uh, reflection on this day is to be able to assess the last 50 years and see if uh, that which we set out to achieve uh, 50 years ago, uh, whether we're being able to achieve it. So I think uh, the celebration is on various uh, fronts. There are those uh, who are happy to go out and uh, drink and uh, eat and make merry. There are those of us who are using the opportunity to reflect on our successes and to reflect also on our failures. Hmm. Well, uh, I did say 25 years. It is 50 years of independence, a big feat for the country. Uh, Professor Emenda, your views on the significant on that day, do you concur with some of the issues highlighted there by Charles Milupi? 
Well, perhaps I would concur with the view that it's a day of reflection. But, uh, you know, apart from that, I think we just have to be realistic and really make a proper analysis of where this thing that is called Zambia stands today. Because as far as I know, the Republic of Zambia is uh, just a facade. It's a, it's a make-believe. There's nothing like the Republic of Zambia as we speak today because the Republic of Zambia was disestablished in 1969. It, it ceased to exist in 1969. Now, let's be realistic and say things the way they are. For people of Barossiland, this day actually signifies their loss of statehood, their loss of sovereignty, their loss of dignity, their loss of political power, their loss of economic power, their loss of all hope in humanity, and today is a day of national mourning for them. I'm going to elaborate on this as we, as, as, as we go on in this discussion, but realistically that mm. is what this day yeah. means for the people of Barosland. Yeah, I'll explain and elaborate yeah, definitely. give the other people a chance to say something. Yeah, definitely. I think it's an issue that we have to highlight, especially that Barosland Land Agreement in 1964. It's something that we really have to look at. But let me move on to McDonald Chipenzi, the Executive Director of the Foundation for Democratic Process. Welcome, McDonald. Your views? Can you hear me, Come McDonald? Again, the question got clear. Okay, maybe we're having a problem with your line on your side, but let me try to reiterate what I'm saying. Basically, we were looking at uh, the significance of this 50 uh, days, years of independence celebration in itself. How significant has it been for uh, Zambia? Well, uh, this, this is a great day to Zambia, uh, a great day in the sense that... Um, it's a day that um, many of our forefathers uh, fought for us to be able to be called a country Zambia and also to be able to have what we call self-rule um, uh, in Zambia. It is also significant in the sense that uh, it is a day that we have to reflect on what was achieved in the past, how our forefathers achieved that which they achieved in the past, what we have achieved in the present, and why we have achieved those in the present, and what we can achieve in the future. Of course, a, a number of issues are coming out right now to say, well, we have not achieved nothing. Others are saying we have achieved a lot. But all in all, being a day that we proclaimed ourselves through, it is a very great day for Zambia, and not a day to celebrate, but a day to reflect, to meditate, and to ponder on how best we can make Zambia more mm. democratic, mm. more participatory, and indeed economically viable, be able to stand on its own feet, unlike where for 50 years we've been dependent uh, on the West to, to meet, even including our salaries. I mean, this has been extremely shameful for a country that was so viable at the point 
of getting independence. Mm. Well, we're going to take a little break, but we're going to look at the history of Zambia and we'll come back and look at that issue that was highlighted by uh, Professor Sitwala Imenda in terms of the Barotsi Land Agreement in 1964, the problems that uh, still arise when people speak about that particular agreement and uh, how problematic it is in terms of uh, national identification and uh, some of the uh, contradictions within this uh, 50-year celebration that we find because of that particular agreement. But let's find out more about the history of Zambia before we come back and continue with our guests. This is history, baby. <laughs> yeah. Zambia, I got you. One of the cradles of the human race is in the northern African Rift Valley, which includes modern-day Zambia. This area traces human settlement back almost three million years. In Zambia, sites in the north and south record back to 60,000 years ago. Tribal migrations in only the past 300 years have determined the makeup of present-day Zambia. Between 1500 and 1800, the Lunda and Luva people traveled from the Congo and became a power of people. Dengoni, originally from South Africa, escaped from the Boers and Zulus and settled in eastern Zambia around 1850-1870. Another powerful tribe, the Lozi, dominated western Zambia and also originated from the Congo in the late 17th century. By the beginning of the 20th century, these tribal migrations had transformed the area into a complex society tied together by conflicts and trade. In the late 1800s, Portuguese and Muslim traders moved further inland and established trade with tribes. The main items were gold, ivory and slaves. It was also at this time that missionaries established themselves, the most famous probably being David Livingstone. He worked hard to stop the slave trade and opened the doors for the British who wanted to prevent the Portuguese from occupying the land and connecting Angola to Mozambique. Livingstone died in the Bangoru swamps in 1873 after exploring much of the area that is now known as Zambia. Livingstone's exploring was tied directly into British colonial history and the scramble for Africa. Cecil Rose founded the British South Africa Company, BSAC, which wanted to connect the Cape to Cairo. Rhodes quickly became one of the wealthiest men in Southern Africa. In 1898, he was granted a charter by Queen Victoria to govern the territory then under British control. Under the belief that there were gold and minerals along the Zambezi River, he financed British expansion into these areas. The BSAC established its headquarters in the town of Livingstone. Zambia became a settling ground for many migrating tribes around 1500 to 1700, and those immigrants helped create a crossroads of culture in the country. When the first president, Kenneth Kaunda, introduced the slogan, One Zambia, One Nation, it was considered a strong symbol 
or the country's unified national identity. The 75 tribes that make up Zambia coexist relatively well in comparison to tribes in neighboring countries who were purposefully pitted against each other as part of the colonial governing policies. In these calculated cases, the minority tribe would usually develop primary power. This would only fuel tribal hatred. In some countries, the animosity still exists and creates major social problems. The main tribes in Zambia are Bemba, Ngoni, Lozi, Chewa, Chokwe, Lunda, Luvale, Tonga and Tumbuka. Most Zambians have joking relations with other tribes. The relationships go back many years. For example, a Bemba may throw verbal abuses to a Nyanja, but this is done in jest for the most part. This is an important distinction from other countries where greater animosity exists. Zambians may consider their tribes superior to one another, but there is an overall sense of unity across all groups. Another factor in these good relations is the large urban population. The vast bush regions provide for a great deal of open land and tribes generally do not infringe on one another. In the cities, there is a strong interaction between the tribes. Some members choose to marry out of their own tribes, which strengthens the ties between the different groups. The flip side is that Zambian society has become more homogenized. Well, today we're looking at 50 years of independence in Zambia. Today, the country is celebrating that uh, noteworthy mark. Uh, but uh, as we heard there on that promo, looking at the different dynamics in terms of population and the history of uh, the country, we are also seeing some challenges within the country. And as highlighted earlier by Professor Sitwala Imenda, is the issue of the Barati Land Agreement in 1964. Uh, Professor, give us a a little breakdown on that just briefly we don't have much time because uh, we only have an hour to discuss Zambia and I know there's a lot of areas to cover but give us some of the issues that still persist with this uh, Barotsi land agreement yes well I think uh, let me just start from the fact that uh, after the Republic of Zambia was established in 1969 the people of Barosland persistently approached the Osaka administration because I don't know what to call them now. You see, the concept of Zambia comes about because Barosland has joined Northern Rhodesia to form Republic of Zambia. The current situation is that Barosland has withdrawn from that merger. Um, there was a National Council meeting in Barosland in 2012 which resolve to, 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 to disengage from that unitary state thing. So actually what should have happened between uh, 2012 and today is a transition towards Barosland's own separate independence. The Zambian government was represented in terms of, I should probably say the Osaka-based government was represented in that, uh, that council that came up with those resolutions. 
And then subsequent to that, a formal letter of, uh, of, of uh, disengagement was written to the Osaka-based administration. Instead of uh, allowing a transition to happen, whereby Barossland would now be celebrating its own independence as we speak, they just poured troops of army and police and security forces into the territory that we call Barossland. So as we speak today, Barossland is under siege. There are probably more policemen and, and, and soldiers and people like that than the citizens of Barossland. So when people are saying today is a day of celebration, I don't understand what is, what, 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 how you can celebrate when you have guns around you. Perhaps other parts of that territory can celebrate. But for the people of Barossland, they are under siege. President Sata was written a letter lately by the lawyers representing Barossland to go to The Hague and see whether an independent uh, tribunal could not resolve this issue so that we can live in peace. They have refused. Mm, mm. The same petition is now with the African Union, the Human Rights African Union uh, in, uh, in Banjul, in the, in, the, in the Gambia, and we are expecting uh, a judgment, a default judgment, perhaps in, uh, in, a, ma- in a month's time, where we expect them to say mm. the Osaka administration must vacate Barossaland because they have no legal basis to be in Barossaland. Mm. The Zambia that we are talking about now has no legal basis to exist. Mm. Well, let's uh, hear what uh, Charles Milupi has to say to uh, some of the areas you have highlighted there, saying that uh, Barotsi land is under siege. Your views, Charles, on what uh, the professor is highlighting there? Professor Nenda is absolutely uh, right, 100% right in what he has said. Uh, but perhaps let me give a, a short historical perspective, because uh, this subject of uh, commemorating or uh, reflecting on uh, the 50 years of so-called independence of Zambia, to me I take it at two levels. The first level is what the Professor Mender has alluded to, uh, the role of Barosland within, uh, within Zambia. The second level I thought it was going to give us an opportunity to reflect on uh, what is actually happening in Zambia vis-à-vis uh, the hope and expectations that were there in 1964. Uh, I was actually a 10-year-old boy in 1964, and I remember uh, celebrating the first independence on the 24th October 1964. There was a lot of expectations. And maybe in reflecting on what has gone wrong at that sort of level, we could then use the opportunity also to reflect on what is going wrong in sub-Saharan Africa. Why are we lagging behind? Why do we have so much underdevelopment, disease, poverty, and, and so on, in the midst of so much uh, natural resources? But the first level is that which uh, Professor Imenda has talked about. In Zambia, in 1964, was created on a basis of deception and a lie. Uh, the people that signed the Barossan Agreement in 1964, one from Barossan, uh, specifically uh, King Manawina uh, uh, III, uh, I think they did so in good faith. But I think President Kaunda and the unique government then, right from the beginning, 
They knew exactly what they were going to do. They signed that purely to get independence. And then they knew that once they got uh, the, um, the powers in their hands, they would then abrogate this particular agreement. So it is independence that was based on a lie. And that is why, starting from beginning, they have risen in Barroso, the number of people, right from beginning, who were questioning the actions of the unique government. And the number of these were detained, and the number of things happened to Barroso and itself, that a nation uh, that was relatively well off in terms of uh, development, in terms of wealth, in terms of uh, the status of education and so on, over the years, Rosland has moved backwards throughout to the extent where 50 years down the road, a nation that was probably the most uh, developed at the time, 1964, is now the least developed. Every negative statistics uh, within the uh, context of Zambia, I think, highlight Rosland as the worst in terms of disease, even mm. HIV, and so on. So because of that, Professor Emenda is absolutely right mm. that um, Zambia itself is based on deception. And that is why um, in March 2012, uh, the BNC, the Baros National Council, was called. And I was, I was at the Baros National Council. And it was very, very specific. And the issues that were raised at the Baros National Council were as follows. Because Barosland is part of Zambia through and only through the Barosland Agreement. And this Barosland Agreement, successive governments have abrogated it. Therefore, Barosland reverts to its original status. I think that makes all the sense. And that is mm. why they, uh, the Baros National Council resolved to revert to the original state as an independent country. Well, let me take this and we to... Know that before that, mm. even before that, a number of people were killed, uh, specifically on 14th January 2011, uh, for wanting to discuss these same issues. Yeah. Uh, it's Charles, only part of them where people have been shut down mm. for wanting to express their views on um, the right to freedom and so on. Charles, let me take that to uh, McDonald Chipenzi in terms of his views. It seems like this is an issue that is tainting the celebrations. seems like it's a, a continuous uh, uh, conversation that is taking place, this Baratuland agreement. Your views, McDonald, uh, the, the, the sense that uh, uh, the agreement hasn't really been fulfilled by the government of the day, and it seems to be uh, an area where is kind of shoved on, on, on the side. What are your views, MacDonald? MacDonald, are you there? I think we're having a problem with MacDonald's line, I think, earlier as well. Uh, MacDonald, are you there? I'm around. Uh, I'm still. Um, I was listening. Well, I just wanted to to get your views, McDonald's, on this issues that has been highlighted by Charles Milupi and Professor Situale Menda in terms of the Barotia Agreement seems to be tainting uh, constant celebrations in Zambia. And after 50 years, it's an area that really hasn't been sorted out yet. The issue of Barotia. Yes. 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 Uh, well, in Zambia, the issue of Barossa has been very contentious, extremely contentious, 
Uh, I recall that um, uh, when we met in April 2013 at the National Constitution Conference or Convention, that issue was again brought up. And I recall that the former Speaker of the National Assembly, uh, Honorable Amsa Manamwambwa, is the one who tried to cool down the campus by suggesting that this issue be taken back to the executive uh, and that uh, the decision that the national convention would have made would have created certain uh, implications, both whether it was going to be a yes, uh, inclusion of the Barossa Agreement in the draft constitution, or a no would have its own uh, uh, ensuing uh, implications. So this issue has been there for some time, but I have not handled it properly. Uh, As usual, it has been business as usual by those who are in leadership. Yet this has been a burning issue. And you know that even in history, when an idea has been thrown, you may try to suppress, you might try to kill, you might try to you know, uh, eradicate uh, those that are propagating such an idea, but you find that it continues to germinate. It's like a weed. Whether you put weed killer, the moment the weed killer finishes its uh, you know, venom, uh, the weed starts uh, sprouting again. So from our point of view, we feel that this issue of Balosland has not been dealt with uh, well. There is a lot of hide and seek. There is a lot of uh, you know suppression. There is a lot of oppression. And yet, we all know that Zambia was born mm. because of this amalgamation of the two protectorates. And this is why in our preamble, we say Zambia is a unitary state. It's a recognition that there are two, uh, perhaps, pieces of land that came together to form what is called Zambia. Mm. So the issue of understanding what the, uh, the, the people in Western province are saying and also the executives, you know, be able to, 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 to put this thing on the table, on the negotiating table, to, for that could be the solution uh, to, to, to the impasse. Otherwise... We are causing trouble for our future generation. And it is, uh, it is, the future generation is going to blame us for failing to solve this problem before it went out of our hands. So yeah. before it slips off our fingers, it would have been good if we had our powers to, uh, to, to convince government, uh, the executive, and indeed some of the influential people coming from Western province, if they were also genuinely taking this issue, we could have had a solution by today. But unfortunately, some of the people uh, from the same, uh, same place are, are really not giving good advice, especially when those people are in government. They don't give good advice that can solve this issue once and for all. Mm. So what we need here is political will. Uh, we, we, we really don't wait because what, what government is waiting or successful governments have been waiting 
is perhaps political pressure. And we've seen that one time in, uh, in, 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 in March, March or January 2011, people had to lose life yeah. just because government is looking at this issue as something that they can, uh, they can just overlook and suppress those who are, who are bringing it up. I think this is unfortunate. Yeah. 50 years of independence. Sure. Unfortunate. sure. McDonald's, I, I want us to move on, and I think we've, we've covered this issue of the Barota land and just how problematic it is. But another area I wanted us to also focus on is uh, the presidency issue. We know that uh, currently uh, we hear claims that uh, the president, uh, Marco Sata, is not feeling well. He's sick. We're not quite sure. Uh, the, the government is a bit cagey about informing us on that. But we also hear that the Zambian constitution does not allow the acting vice president, Guy Scott, to deputize for President Michael Sutter because uh, Defense Minister Edgar Lungu has been appointed instead. Just the dynamics there. How does that work, MacDonald? Uh, how does the constitution in itself uh, assist that process? Because it's a bit confusing. Yes, indeed, uh, again, this is another crisis uh, in the country, uh, and we seem to have no uh, solution uh, in the sense that uh, the president uh, appoints um, and, and disappoints uh, uh, leaders. Uh, so even if people talk, as long as the president still feels comfortable to keep the vice president uh, in, in, in that position, uh, our talk, our suggestion will just be, you know, uh, falling on deaf ears. Mm. Indeed, the Constitution clearly states that uh, a person uh, that uh, has both parents, uh, not Gandhian, uh, cannot stand as president. Uh, and, and from the time the uh, Honorable uh, Guy Scott was appointed vice president of this country in 2011, he has never acted mm. as uh, president for fear, perhaps, that in an event of the president not coming back wherever he has gone, uh, the, the, the vice president automatically under the constitution uh, takes over as acting president uh, for a period of 90 days. Well, I only have... election yeah. should be held. And well, that's the... Yeah, I only have five yeah. five minutes left, so I just want to give uh, Professor Sitwale Menda and, and Charles Midupi a chance. Uh, just in a minute or so... Uh, this is not really uh, this constitutional issue is, is is a bit problematic, isn't it, Charles? Because we we're seeing uh, uh, maybe a problem in terms of consistency here. Uh, what's your views in terms of this whole uh, who appoints the president and who doesn't in terms of of the constitution? The constitution is very clear. There is that uh, in the absence of a president. Uh, outside the country, the Constitution is very clear. It says the vice president shall act as president. And uh, only if the vice president himself is outside the country, can cabinet elect from among themselves someone to act. In this particular case, the president is outside the country. It is the vice president by the Constitution. And Article 39 of the Constitution says whenever the president is absent from Zambia or considers it desirable so to do by reason of illness or any other reason, uh, he will authorize the vice president or where the vice president is absent. But in this particular case, the vice president is in. 
So Article 39 of the Constitution of Zambia is being um, abrogated right now for having appointed somebody else. Mm. Mm. What uh, our colleague in such pens is talking about is qualifications to stand as president. Mm, okay. Only someone whose parents, both parents were born inside Zambia or citizens by descent, can stand as president. There is a difference between standing as president and acting as um, as, as president. The constitution is very clear. Uh, Honorable Guy Scott can act as president. But earlier on, we were talking about the deception that pervades the Zambian uh, political system. This is part of that uh, uh, deception, because quite clearly, they want to avoid uh, Mr. Guy Scott acting. That doesn't really bother us, because it's the same deception uh, that shows us when we're talking about the Barossa Agreement and so on. Mm. Without le- from uh, deception, we are running a country which in 1964, that is Zambia, uh, was a high-medium-income uh, uh, country, with a GDP per capita of over a thousand dollars in 1964, compared to $400 for South Korea, mm. uh, uh, Taiwan, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, considered to less than a hundred dollars of Botswana. Right now, all those countries that I've mentioned are high medium income countries. In fact, some of them are approaching fully developed status. Zambia, because it has uh, wrong political systems where you deceive everybody, including on the Barossa Agreement. It is moving backwards. It well, is still a source of raw materials for the Western Charles, countries. Charles, I, I need to wrap countries. it up, Charles. So the political, politics is totally wrong in Zambia. Mm. Well, let me move on to Professor Situala Imenda. As we wrap it up, I have two minutes left. Uh, I wish we had more time, but we just don't. Uh, but Professor, as, as we wrap it up, in terms of moving forward here as a country, what is required in Zambia to make sure that actually we see a unification, a true unification here of uh, the various people in, in one mode as one people, and not just from a superficial level, but really in, in practice. Well, where we are standing now, the, 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 that idea which you are articulating there does not apply because uh, basically Barosland has pulled out of the union so there's no such thing of, uh, as, as trying to move together as one country, as one people. That is now an irrelevant dimension to this problem. We believe that as soon as um, the, the, the verdict is delivered in Banjul next month, which is going to compel the Lusaka-based administration to, to, to stay out of Barossiland, that in fact there's going to be enough political pressure that will come as a result of that, uh, of, that, of that finding that we are now going to move distinctly into separate ways, Barossland on one side and whatever they are going to call themselves on the other side as another side. So that is the direction that I see us moving into. The matter was also presented last week formally to, to Sadiq in, uh, in, in, in Haboron. So we hope that the Sadiq leaders are also going to take the appropriate decisions around this matter and just compel these foreign-occupying people who are now in Barossland to get out. They are doing nothing there, like Mr. Mnuchio is saying now. You know, there's just more damage every time being done to Barossland than any, any relief at all. We want relief, mm. finally, mm. to prevail in Barossland. And the only way that will happen is for this foreign-occupying force, uh, uh, force 
to get out. What are they doing there? Well, I have to wrap it up in that way. Thank you, Professor Situale Menda. I've run out of time. Uh, Professor is the Executive Dean of Education at the University of Zululand, and uh, he is from Zambia, and I think currently in South Africa. And uh, we also had Charles Mirubi, who is the President of the Opposition for Alliance for Democracy and Development. We also had uh, McDonald Chipenzi, who is the Executive Director Foundation for Democratic Process. We can hear, hey, it's 50 years of independence, but a whole lot needs to be done. Not everything is rosy in Zambia indeed. But thank you to all our guests for joining us today on Channel Africa. 50 years of independence of Zambia, that's what we're looking at today. There's a lot of issues that are hidden within that celebration. You know, sometimes when we see things on uh, Uh, face value they look good but sometimes we need to really get into the crux of the matter and that's what we're looking at today some of those challenges in terms of uh, that agreement in 1964 I mean 1964 today in 2014 it's still an issue you know but let us know your thoughts SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five how does Zambia move forward that's how we wrap it up. Let's wrap it up with the proverb of the day. The WAPS says that several regular trips to a mud pit enables it to build a house. Let me say it again. The WASP says that several regular trips to a mud pit enables it to build a house. So, hey, don't give up. Keep trying. Keep going. And, hey, just keep going. You, you'll find that solution. You'll find that way through. And that is an airway proverb. But for me, Benjamin Mushatama, until next week, Monday, God bless.